Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers, and this is going to be an episode with Garrett Stewart, Captain Planet, an environmentalist, consultant, biologist, marine scientist. Garrett uses his diverse background and love of storytelling to drive change in the future generations. His passions lies in bridging the gap between nature and our youth to teach families sustainably and safe farming and gardening techniques. I'm so excited to talk to this guy, and without any further delay, I would like to welcome Captain Planet. What's up, homies? How we doing? What up, Cap? It's so good to see you, man. Uh, I love seeing you. I came across you on TikTok. I just love your energy, all the things that you're putting out there, all the good you're trying to do, uh, the way you respond to criticism online as well, I think is beautiful. Uh, we, can, we can dive into all of that out there. Um, but first, I want to learn, just if you could just tell a little bit of your origin story, what got you to be the captain? Can you please just give us just a little bit of the intro so people at home know that? Yeah. Well, I guess what got me to be the captain um, is is by starting out being a bad man. You know, um, mm -hmm. I'm from Kansas. I'm from the Wild West, right? And I haven't always been all pro-environment and everything. Even though I was a, a wildlife biology major uh, for mm -hmm. college, for example, I was a trapper. You know, um, when I talk about the homies, you know, the, the animals... You know, I used to I used to pay for my books and my rent and everything by by knowing these skills and trapping these animals and uh, bashing them over the head and taking their furs to trade for bad things. Mm. Um, and one day I uh, was running my trap line and I heard this whimper and it turned into a scream once it saw me. It was a little baby coyote, you know, like a little puppy. And my trap had, had broken its spine. There wasn't any saving this little guy. So uh, I raised up that club one last time. And uh, when, I, when I hit the trap, my hand got cut. And, and I saw myself through the eyes of that animal. You know, and what I saw was like the angel of death. I didn't like what I seen. And I went home and I melted down all those traps so that they wouldn't ever hurt any of the homies again. And I say that that's the day that uh, that Garrett died and Captain Planet was born. Because it seems like ever since that day, I've been trying to say I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> and using, uh, using those same set of skills to help make a difference. I'm getting all teary-eyed already three minutes in, huh? <laughs> that's powerful, man. You know, really becoming Captain Planet was a... Uh, a beautiful tragedy, you know, the scars that I still carry still to this day, um, to remember what I'm capable of, you know, and remember that not all of us start out as good people, you know, and I think that's why I get so happy mm -hmm. you know, because I come from a place where I, I'd seen a lot of bad things. And so to me, when I look at my life now, it's super fun and super positive because like I went from a life of, of taking lives, you know, and, and killing um, to a life of saving. You know, I still hunt, 
you know, I still fish and, and things like that. I, I can't say I'm vegan because I'm not. Um, but if some old redneck Indian uh, rancher from Kansas can change, you know, it's a it's encouragement that the rest of the world can too. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of it's been a process of letting go of some of that uh, bullshit ego that us men carry around that whole Gary Cooper, John Wayne thing that we all <laughs> aspire to be. <laughs> and it's some of that stuff that I still haven't figured out how to separate myself from, you know, because any more things like that word ego is perverted, but honor and integrity, those, those fall in that same little category, you know? So it's, it's about learning how to love and, and not, learning how to kill all the time for me anyway i had to get a little bit of blood on my hands to become captain planet mm. <laughs> the deep question to start out with brother <laughs> yeah man oh i you know i honestly didn't i didn't know the origins of it and it's but it's like to set out on a journey though like that i mean you the the pain really creates purpose behind yeah. this stuff right and it's like unless you sit in a spot where you you're like i don't want to be here anymore you know mm -hmm. and then you start to climb your walls out and i've had my own situations where like you know i got in trouble with the law and i was facing a long time and i was like oh i don't want to i don't want to do this no more yep. and i said I, i'm never going to be in this situation again Been and there. i just climbed out right and i said and that but you have that pain yeah. that that creates so much more meaning than someone that's always had an easy life, a good life, and then just stayed good. They don't, it, it's, yeah. it doesn't seem as valuable, right? Because you can't taste both sides of that. Um, yes, I said something once about, you know, being a peaceful man is is about being a violent man that has it under control, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that aspect of it. You know, I've always kind of referred to myself as the shepherd who carries a spear instead of a walking cane. You know, because sometimes you don't, you don't know when you're going to have to use that, you know, and as a, for me, life has been kind of about understanding the difference between being a warrior and being a gangster, you know, because anymore we're getting confused on those two. And being a gangster, you know, you're just fighting for yourself and, 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 and those for you, uh, uh, around you where that warrior's fighting for everything and, and the warrior even though it's hard not to <clears throat> violence is always should be the last choice you know like for me I, I laugh a lot of things off but inside you know that that grizzly bear is just rattling at the cages begging to be let out but i let him stay inside me mm -hmm. you know because you don't know if you're gonna need that bear one day you know what i mean uh, i always heard that that Indian story about the you got a good wolf in you and a bad wolf and which one wins is the one you feed the most. And I always thought that was just so full of shit. You know, I've never in my life heard an Indian tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good though. Yeah. It, it does sound cool, but like in reality, at least for a man, cause I don't know what it's like to be a woman. Um, we all do have that good wolf and that bad wolf, but it's not about which one you're feeding. It's it's about letting both exist and run. You know what I mean? You know, and sometimes we get hard on ourselves because we stress, 
we worry, we get sad. And, and nobody's teaching you guys about the science of sadness, you know, the biology of worry. Mm-hmm. Think about our, our mammal homies, you know, our brothers and sisters, like the raccoon. That raccoon can taste a thousand things that taste good in his life and never remember it. But he tastes one thing that makes him sick and he'll remember it for the rest of his life. And he'll go around the whole forest writing raccoon Yelp reviews, you know, <laughs> telling his home not to try that shit. You know, so one of these things where the the mammals, they wake up every day worried about four things. Number one, trying not to get eaten. Number two, water. Number three, food. And number four, shelter. And we humans have figured out a way that we don't have to worry about those four things. At least Americans, a lot of Americans I'm obviously not talking about Indian reservations and different places like that in America, but for the most part, um, people don't have to wake up worried about trying not to get eaten and water, food, and shelter. Yeah. But just because we got rid of that problem, the, the main problems, doesn't mean that that inherent worry isn't flowing through our DNA. You know, so it's like sometimes if you can just remember as like your own little scientist, like, hey, these are hormones that are natural and chemicals flowing through my body, making me worried and making me negative because that's how mammals are. When we when we start taking that mindset, it's almost like you can use science to take a step back and think to yourself, yeah, you know, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes before I think about this again, you know, before I deal with this in my head, you know, because a lot of times our problems are just between our ears <laughs> yeah. they're so true if you're looking at those things and we get your body your genes your all that stuff it, it doesn't care if you're happy or not it wants you to survive viable mm-hmm. above everything else and there's certain innate characteristics that like i know of my own you know monkey dna styles i gotta get up and move i've got to get up and do something if i just sit at home and i just am in a little hole watching stuff it might seem like i'm giving myself a treat but i'm just treating myself like crap and then at the end of it you have this weird energy where you feel all exhausted and you feel you have a a sense of um just like that low level anxiety that kind of tracks and 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 people think that they're bad they're wrong they're they should have shame around that and everybody else is happy because you go on TikTok and instagram and all and everyone's having a great time so why did why are they broken right You know, I say all the time, you don't see me going live when I'm pissed off. You don't see me going live when I'm crying upset. It doesn't mean that I don't get so upset that I cry. It doesn't mean that I don't get pissed off, you know, because the mammal in me, I'm no different than a silverback gorilla when I get pissed. I I look like an idiot sitting there throwing tree branches and stuff. <laughs> you know, we all have those feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's something like I always express, you know, because people, the number one thing people say to me is, you're special. And that's true. But my number one message back to people is I was not born special. I became special. I became special, you know, because people will idolize people and then like 
I can't be that. You know, I don't want people to idolize me like I'm some kind of eco Jesus, like I'm something that they can't be themselves because I'm just a common man. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a redneck from Kansas. <laughs> you know, I'm out here saving the oceans and stuff like that. You know, kids will look at me and when I go to their schools and whisper, you know, I'm like, my dad said that you're Poseidon's son. You know, is it that you're the Aquaman? Is that true? And, I'll just laugh and be like, no, man, I, I'm, I'm from Kansas, homie. You know, and he'll just laugh and then I'll lean in real close. I'm like, I am the Aquaman. I need you and your buddies to be the Aquaman too when you grow up. Can you do that for me? And they'll look at me like they're veterans of war, you know, and just give yeah. that. I even say anything like that. Soldier nod. Yeah. And, and to me, like, that's what's special is, is reaching the youth. Looking at that, one of the things that you talk about, you talk about the only way that we can save our oceans, because if you look at what's going on by 2050, mm -hmm. um, more, more plastic than fish in the oceans, and there's a lot of yeah. stuff like that. It feels feels so overwhelming for people. They go, what can I even do about it? Um, you talk about having kids falling and getting them to fall in love with the ocean, getting them to fall yeah. in love with the planet. Like, what does that, what does that look like? I mean, instilling these things, because, you know, people they look at you like, oh, they, he did it, but I can't. There's this, there's this disconnect, right? So how do you inspire kids to fall in love with the ocean? How do you get them to actually take up that mantle and move towards that goal? Well, I'd start out with saying the same thing as I'm going to tell you. Mm. Deep breath in with me. Inhale. Now you got to shrug your shoulders, shake them around a little bit because I've got a deep breath. Deep, get in real deep, deep as you can. See how you're smiling? <laughs> Love oxygen. That first mm -hmm. breath that you took with me, see all the plants behind me? You can thank every plant that you've ever seen growing on the soil. Mm -hmm. But that second breath you took with me, that deeper breath, that 70% of the oxygen that this planet needs, you can thank the liquid love, the ocean. You know, so for even a kid in Kansas, every other breath is thanks to the ocean. You know, so even the rain that falls on his parents' crops in Kansas, that rain comes from the ocean. One day it returns to the ocean, so we got to protect our water. You know, people mm -hmm. grow up being disconnected even though the connection is all around us we just grew up in a world that doesn't allow us to sit still long enough to just plug in our roots again yeah so getting connected to the ocean you don't have to you don't have to live five minutes from the ocean you can simply just breathe and be connected to mother ocean you know, 700 million people survive on coral reefs per year. You know, and that's just the corals. That's not the oceans. Corals are less than 0.01% of our ocean surface area. That's how important this is. So even for that kid in Kansas, there's only so many cows, right? Mm -hmm. So you save that reef, you save the food save the food you keep the peace mm. 
So, I mean, we all know, like, when I get hungry, I act like Joe Pesci off that Snickers commercial. When I'm here to amuse you, make you laugh? What do you mean I'm a funny guy? I get hangry. And I'm the kind of guy you don't want to whip out a sandwich in front of me when I'm hangry because I'll give you that weird look like I'm going to take your sandwich, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Not good for any of us. We used to have green seeker technology satellites spying on Russia back in the Cold War. Um, to look at um, chlorophyll levels in their corn so we could plug in our algorithm equations and predict their yield. So if we thought that Russia was going to have a bad year on corn, we would lower our prices of corn for Russia in order to not prevent, you know, in order to not have war. We're preventing warfare because we know when people get hungry, they get angry. And mm-hmm. more reason, you know, so saving the ocean really when it comes down to it saving coral reefs are a matter of international security you know and people need to realize just how important that is you know 25 percent of the species who live in the ocean call coral reefs their home you know so if we lose those coral reefs which 2050 is the same year they're projecting that to be extinct as they are with the um more plastics in our ocean than fish pound for pound you know people get a little sad because they only hear the the bad the bad parts you don't hear about how me and dr coral can can accomplish in two years what takes nature 800 years like me and my homie dr david vaughn can literally reskin the world's coral reefs faster than it's dying all the support we don't get the support because you don't hear about it, you know, and that becomes the issue. Yeah, I was uh, very recently, I was fortunate to be on Kona, the big island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to go swim around the coral and you could see that they're like, we're going to take you to the nicest parts of the coral. We got to swim around there. You know, they want to make sure you didn't have any of the bad mm-hmm. stuff on you as you're doing it. And you could see the coral was like, it was beautiful, but at the same time, you could tell it was dying. There was this element of kind of beauty and sadness there because you recognize that that there is a piece of us that like natural beauty, we have this effect on it. And you can see a bunch of people jump in the water, just cycling in, jumping in the water to check out the beauty. And while we're trying to appreciate the beauty, we're also stomping on the land. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the, the one of the big questions that people say is they, they can feel that pain, but what can be done? What does that look like? You know, are you able to reskin the, you're talking about the coral, even if there has the detrimental effects in the, in the oceans, can you talk to a little bit about the project yeah. you're working on? I've seen some of the work you've done online, but I'd love for you to elaborate a bit. So imagine my hand is a piece of like staghorn coral mm-hmm. and I'm seeing this part bleach, this part bleach. And when I say bleach, Um, It's when corals turn white. Mm -hmm. So to understand this, we need to kind of take a step back and understand coral. People all the time are like, what is coral? Is it a rock? Is it an animal? Is it a plant? Is it a bacteria? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) because it's like all of those things. So first and foremost, it's an animal. It Mm -hmm. starts its life as an animal. It's, It's closest relative is the jellyfish, you know, so this this jellyfish like animal a long time ago um he builds this hard calcium carbonate structure this skeleton same thing as limestone what shells are made out of 
So a long time ago, he looks over at Zozanthelli. Let's just call him Zooks. It's a specific kind of algae. And he's like, yo, Zooks, if I build the hard calcium carbonate resort, you and your homies want to move in here and like pay the rent and paint the crib? And Zooks is like, yeah, we're always living in soft stuff like Cassiopeia, the upside down jellyfish getting eaten by sea turtles trying to get stoned. We would love to move into this hard calcium carbonate hotel where the only thing that's going to eat on us is parrotfish. So the Zooks, the Zozanthelli move inside of the coral and that's what paints the house. That's what gives coral its color. Not only that, it pays the rent, meaning 90 to 98% of the energy that the coral animal needs to survive is simply received photosynthetically by the algae zooks that lives inside of him you know so it's paying the rent and it's painting mm. the crib you know so now that we know that part and we're talking about coral bleaching when a coral turns white now you understand that it's actually like an algae problem that becomes a coral problem you know so what's happening is it's getting too hot and too acidic too fast and the algae can't adjust so mm. The algae is producing 90, 98% of the, of the, the food that this animal needs. Well, then all of a sudden it gets overworked. It's too hot. It's not producing as well. So let's say it's only giving 60% of the energy. The coral's response to that is, oh no, I'm sick. So it expels everything out of its body in order to lower the likelihood of disease. And this is a, a phenomenon called coral bleaching. And it only has a matter of months um, to get that algae back inside of it before it dies forever. And coral bleaching is normal, but now the algae is not coming back inside, which is not normal. Over half of our coral reefs on Earth are already dead um, mm -hmm. because of this phenomenon that keeps happening. And it's caused from being too hot, too acidic, too fast. So now that we know a little bit about that, back to your question is how we're going to do it. So imagine my hand is a piece of coral mm -hmm. and this part's ble bleaching and this part's bleaching, meaning it's all turned white except for this stem of it. For whatever reason, the genetics in here, the genome is more adapted to the climate change. So we cut that off with a saw and we take it back to a lab and it's called Microfragmentation. So we fragment this coral into all those little holes. We separate them because a few years back from an accident, we figured out if we did that, we can grow in two weeks what used to take three to five years to grow in a piece of coral. And we take those corals and we plant them back out onto the reef. So let's say there's a rock this big, as big as me. Mm -hmm. I can up there and take the, the coral with the same genomes, like that same stem, and I can go bloop, 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 and, and basically plant polka dots. And in two years, all those polka dots fuse together, and that whole boulder will be covered with live coral again. Wow. You know, saying reskinning a reef, that is actually what I'm meaning. You know, so for those nerds that are really into that, um, you can buy Dr. Coral's new book, um, Active Coral Restoration. Um, it is a very nerdy read, but a great read. You know? <laughs> 
That's super powerful. And that's the main. So if I understand you correctly, so what you're doing is you're taking the the the, the last pieces of the coral that is the most resilient, mm -hmm. breaking it apart and you're reseeding it. Uh, yeah. almost like a hair transplant or something like that, where you're taking the parts that are the most resilient and exactly. you're moving it, you're moving it from the, the rich neighborhood to the poor neighborhood and letting it reseed around and do its thing. Exactly. Which, that's powerful. And so then we grow corals that we're predicting will survive in the oceans that we, we are seeing 50 years from now, more warmer, more acidic oceans. We don't want to regrow the, the corals that are already screwed and that are already dying. It doesn't mean that entire species have to be eliminated. It means that specific genomes are being concentrated upon in those species. You know, we're looking at genome number 56 when it comes to staghorns, you know, and this and that. Um, and it's it's cool how science can help, you know, and and Dr. David Vaughn, who's who's the leading scientist in the world is in, in coral restoration. This is his work that I'm talking about. You know, he told me once, you know, Captain, technology got us into this pickle, but it can also be technology that can bring us out. You know, mm -hmm. he right now is up for an X prize where he could potentially get a hundred million dollars from Elon Musk um, wow. to help uh, restore coral reefs. You know, so there's cool companies out there, you know, like Patagonia and North Face and all them who do the one percent for the planet, um, which I actually just reminded I got to send an email back. Uh, I got accepted into that program. What that is, is Congrats. companies who want to have a voluntary tax they donate one percent of their profits back to environmental nonprofits that are doing things like me um to help the world out in regards to climate change and stuff like that you know so um patagonia alone donates about a hundred million dollars per year to different organizations like mine you know so it's really really cool you know and i think that it would be neat if some companies who don't want to voluntary, um, voluntarily have that tax um, could just go ahead and have that tax anyway. You know, <laughs> Mike Jordan, what the hell have you ever done for me and my planet? Nothing, yeah. you know, other than having kids getting shot out in the streets to buy your shoes that are made in China. How about you get taxed 1%, you know, like uh, Mosaic, you know, Monsanto. Why aren't they paying a 1%? Why is it North Face? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's they're taxing some poor small business appliance store, you know, or or the guy who does framing for paintings and stuff. Like, no. But some of these giant corporations um, that are known for polluting, you know, they they need to be considering being put on that that tax as well. Yeah, we have a weird thing here where, like, in in the U.S., we have a, we have the game of capitalism. Right. Mm -hmm. and that's the game. The game is make as much money at all costs. Mm -hmm. And the, the challenge is, is that that dollar, you don't they, they're really good at abstracting out that dollar and detaching from everything that gets made to make that dollar. Right. So one's time and effort. But one of the things that get is it's like suffering. Right. Like you don't see all the suffering that gets made when it, when you create those shoes or you create that thing or you create that yeah. stuff or, or the, the suffering that you create from families when you have like, you know, monocrop cultures or whatever it might be. So it's a really interesting thing that we don't, we, we've kind of abstracted that out. But what I like about this is that that reintegration of like a holistic viewpoint to kind of say, okay, 
the the ocean is so incredibly powerful um you know and it's so it's such an important piece of resistance like how can we do our part we just recently so i live i live in uh california orange county uh other side of the coast oh. um and uh we recently um we recently had one of the largest oil spills right off of our area that just happened like a couple of weeks ago and mm -hmm. it, was, it was one of those situations that we've never had that issue but just but you see all of these oil rigs out there and you kind of feel the sense of like people want to contribute there's also a bunch of people that that volunteer on the beach to pick up stuff but i yeah. feel like that's like what can you do once it's there to that is like is there anything that we can do with technology that can help with that type of situation um because people want to help but we don't we don't we're not familiar with the you know what you're talking about fragmentization or these other yeah. types of situations to be able to to help when stuff like that happens other than hang along the shore and then pick out the pits that that kind of wash along absolutely you know um I'm going to walk your side before it starts too dark. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I've noticed too, you know, social media, for example, social media can be a good tool. Mm -hmm. um, it's how you found me. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, people have taken social media as a tool that can be used um, in this battle and thinking that it's the only tool, you know, and, and and it's almost like uh, people just think that they can just Facebook their problems away and it's not going to happen. You know, my number one kind of complaint that I have with different people is like, I'll see them on Facebook. This is people that I'm like literally friends with. Um, I'll see them on Facebook raise an absolute hell about Mosaic and I'll drive three hours to the meeting in their backyard and then they don't show up ever, you know, and it's like, you're expecting government to, to read your personal profiles on Facebook to see what you're complaining about. And you're not showing up in the actual meetings where they're holding a meeting saying, Hey, dear public, if you got anything to say, now would be your time. Well, when it's me and three other guys that look just like Jesus, it's not exactly the pressure that we need to, put on our local governments, mm -hmm. you know, so we need to also remember that, you know, podcasts and mm -hmm. social media and all this stuff, it doesn't replace real action and actually being there. What these tools are for is inspiring people to take some fucking action. Excuse my friend. Mm -hmm. Cause that's one thing that I would like to see more of, you know, Sometimes I, I feel like years have gone by and people are, are cheering me on from social media. And it's like, I'm begging you to get in the trenches with me and help me fight. You know, like I don't, I don't need cheered on. I need, <laughs> you know, I need yeah. warriors, you know? So it's one of those things that, you know, I use social, oh, my battery thing. I use social media to help inspire. You know, no different than you're doing this podcast to help inspire. But we got to remember that that doesn't replace boots on the ground. You know, that we always have to keep our boots on the ground when the day's done. You know? Yeah. Well, that's one of the hard things. I mean, why we love <clears throat> watching movies of heroes. Why, like, the montage. Like, when you see the, when you see the montage in the movie, it's like the hero's got to go do... Uh, uh, nine months of hard work. And so what we do is we get to watch 60 seconds of them hitting a punching bag 
And that's, yeah. and that's it. And it goes by. And you're like, oh, that was great. So much effort. And I just got it in 60 seconds, right? Same thing yeah. like TikTok and all things. So we admire the hero of the story because we know it takes great effort. But at the same time, we uh, have those genes, those same sadness genes. We also have lazy human monkey genes that yeah. make us want to do as little effort as possible to yeah. eat the fruit, right? And so... Oh. It's both sides of those equations. So if you can inspire people to the path of saying like, look, if you take this action, you can actually have an effect. That is one of the things that like, you're right. I mean, you can get inspired all day long, but then you've got to be to use that as a fuel yep. source. Otherwise you'll just, you'll rage out and slam yeah. into the keyboards and that is all you're going to go to. So you don't, you don't see me doing that because I don't have the energy because mm -hmm. I'm doing something, but I ain't going to lie. My favorite thing in the world to do mm -hmm. is chilling. <laughs> you know, one of my things to do, any, especially anymore, mm -hmm. is just not doing a damn thing. But I'm getting to the point where I'm earning that too. You know, like, and, and what I'm meaning is, is I can chill a lot better when I'm ready to chill, knowing I did so much when I wasn't chilling. Mm-hmm. Like I could not leave the house tomorrow and I still know that I filtered millions and millions of gallons tomorrow of water because of all the reefs I put in yesterday and the day before, yeah. you know, that helps my chill. And I think that the, everyone's the same on that. You know, we can't chill very well when we have a to-do list that we're constantly putting off, you know? Um, and, and I'm, I, for one was, have spent my whole life being horrible about that. My, my to-do list just get thicker and thicker, you know, but, um, and then you, then you get to a point where you're breaking promises, you know, like I was sitting there making a necklace on a TikTok live and you're on there. Hey, Captain, you're supposed to. <laughs> and I said, cool, man. Like I, I'm not the kind of dude that signs up for something and then doesn't go through. I, I just merely forgot. And as soon as I saw it, it's like, cool, I'll hop off of this live real quick and we'll go straight to a podcast. You know, yeah. um, but I can it, verify that. Yeah. Yeah. That was that pretty, was, that was pretty funny. To do it that I might be tired enough that I'd forget about it. I spent like four days in the Everglades working with the Gladesman um, to restore a camp down there with the National Park Service. Had a black, you know, but my point is, is, don't make so many vows need some more chill time mm. because knock some stuff off of that do list, whether it's for the earth or yourself or your family, you know, because it'll help you chill more. And the more you chill and the more you relax, the longer you live, you know, me, I'll probably live to I'm 160. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it, man. I got at chill. I can teach Snoop Dogg how to chill. Yeah, I actually had a friend on the podcast who's actually working on like ending aging. And it was one of his, one of his missions, right? He's trying to use tech and that kind of stuff. But, um, but you're right. The, there's an endless to-do list in life, right? But if, if you hit the most meaningful things, right, we're never going to like run out of to-do items, but if you can hit the most meaningful items and focus on that and knock that out, then you feel, yeah. you feel better. You feel like, you got, cause otherwise you can, you do that. It's like that whole, like, like sand in a jar metaphor yeah. they're talking about you have the sands the small rocks and the big rocks you try to fit it all in yep. and if you put in the sand first and then the little rocks you ain't got room for the big rocks mm -hmm. but if you put in the big rocks first and then the little rocks go in between 
And yeah. then sand, finally sand will fill up at the end and you can fit it all, but just like knock out the big stuff first, yeah. right? You know, and, and sometimes you just gotta do some stuff for you, you know, like me, uh, dude, I, I've had some of the coolest jobs, you know, like, like titles, like marine scientist and wildlife biologist. And I, I would absolutely hate it. It's because I hate taking orders from anyone that's not me. And it made me completely miserable to sell my time for money. And finally, I got over that and I just said, hey, you know, I at 37, well, now I'm 37, I would have been 35, I guess, at the time. So at 35, I don't think I'm going to ever change. Let's try to work for myself. Mm. As I said before, I love to chill. So I always wanted to work for myself because, you know, I, I treat myself good. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, man, it turns out I'm a hard ass. Like, um. Now I'm working seven days a week. Yeah. But like I was sitting there just a couple of days ago next to a National Park Service employee. And, and I was helping them paint the side of this building, right? And I looked over at him and I laughed and I said, you know, back when I had your job and was being paid to do what we're doing, I would have bitched the whole time. But being here for free in a being the only guy in just a pair of board shorts and no shirt, just walking around like a homeless hippie and a guy, guys covered in camouflage. I was like, but now I'm sitting here doing the same shit for free and completely happy, you know, just because it's not someone telling me to do it. See, but that's a trick though. Right there is one of the things that you just, you just talked on that I think is really important to note is that it, everybody wants the easy life, but mm -hmm. more than the easy life, they want the meaningful life. Yeah. And so many people go go into entrepreneurship because they think it's going to be easier. Yeah. Ah, easier, less work. The boss it's, ain't going to do it. It's Way harder. harder. It's it's more meaningful. I mean, like, I bought a damn folding computer mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. One of them things you put on your lap and it opens up. Yeah. And I'm sitting here on my phone because I don't know how to work my $2,000 folding computer. <laughs> you know, like... We, but I'm trying to figure it out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, and, and Lord knows, like I was that guy that said, Hey, computers are just a phase. Don't fall for this stuff. Boy, I bit the crow on that one. Cause now I own two online businesses, you know, it's like yeah. social media stuff. My God. So I got me the folding computer and I do all these things that I don't want to do um, in order to work for myself, but it makes me happy. Yeah. Because if I've if I wake up and I gotta poop, I don't have to call anyone and explain to them that my body's pooping right now and I'm gonna be a few minutes late. Uh, you know? That's and, an and, awkward conversation. Yeah, that, that that freedom right there just means a lot to me, and, and I, it's it's made me a lot happier person. But it took a leap of faith, you know, because I'm a man that likes security and not possibility. And I was that dude that would rather take a check. And know I'm taken care of next month than to wing it. Mm. So it's it's been a struggle, but it's been a fun struggle. Yeah, it's really interesting because we, I mean, like starting your own business, all that stuff. I mean, it, you very much go into hunter gatherer mode, right? Because you yeah. only you only eat what you kill, in that proverbial sense, right? And then, yeah. and then at the same time, though, like we want certainty, and so it's like like we've constantly built situations around us. We we've enclosed ourselves 
in this technological womb, right? This safe place where we have plumbing that brings the poop out. We have showers that brings the water in. We, we are insulated in this thing that's really, that makes things convenient. But yeah. at the same time, we want this freedom. We want to feel wild. We want to, we want to get in the oceans. Um, and, uh, and there's, a uh, there's this weird thing because the, we also connect, like I've noticed this, I love both high technology. I'm into like virtual reality, deep seated stuff. That's my company. That's what I do. Ooh. Right. But I also love sitting by a fire, sitting by a campfire. I recently, I recently got to go in and like check out some lobsters and do like lobster diving um, for mm. the first time ever a couple weeks ago, just to like, it was just to see what that was like. And uh, it's there two opposite ends of the spectrum, two very different things. But, but I feel like as humans, we, we, we want both, right? You want, you want both sides. You want the convenience, but then you want the freedom. You want the nature, but then you want the technology. It's a really yeah. weird thing that we're, we're at as humans in this day. Yeah. Um, me included, you know, I wanted real freedom, you know? So I went out and I became a mountain man in the Pacific Northwest and built my own cabin and, you know, it was completely off grid. You know, and, and I remember a moose hunter um, saw me when I was walking, you know, and, and he's got a big old pack, you know, because it was about two, two, three day walk where I was at. And, you know, he looked at me, well, what are you doing up here? Because I didn't have nothing on me. You know, I was like, I'm just up here living, man. I got me a little cabin back over the other side of that hill. And, and he just looked at me and he looked at me up and down. And he said, you don't answer to nobody, do you, boy? And I just smiled real big and said, no, sir, I reckon not. But pretty soon that smile faded, you know. Um, I went up to the mountains to seek true freedom. No electricity, no nothing. And I found that the only freedom that I truly wanted was the freedom to be comfortable. <laughs> it was that. It was that mix that you're talking about. Yeah, the easy road, man, but it's not, it's not as meaningful. Yeah, um, it's always nice to go hunting at uh, Bob Evans every now and then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easier. It's easier. So well, let, me, let me ask you, like, what is, like, so with you and, like, what's your, what's your holy, what I call holy, holy grail? Like, what is your goal? What is your mission? What is a thing, like, if you could, you know, wave an easy wand? magic easy one that makes everything possible. Like what would you want to see on, uh, have your mission come true? Seeing people live with the earth again. There was a holy man that once said a long time ago, said that uh, a vision is needed. And the man who has it has to stick it out. Like the eagle follows the deepest blue in the sky. Mm. And and I had a dream huh. and a tornado was in the dream and it, and it went into my eye and what I saw, I can't really talk about, but what I'll say is that if I could wave a magic wand, it would be for people to know that they're, they're of earth, they're of ocean, you know, and, and how they're treating their mother. You know, because if we treated our own mother better, I think we'd treat each other better, too. You know, and all this fight between black and white and red and yellow and all this. And just understand that we're all 
creatures of earth and anybody claiming to understand a god would need to understand that their god created this too you know it's why i don't say i hate trump or i hate biden i don't hate nothing man if i said that i hated someone that'd be the same thing my auntie says this that's the same thing as saying that you hate creator you know it's about understanding all these different feelings and stuff. And and I feel like if we lived more in tune with the earth, because we're still cavemen, we just figured out how to build our own caves that that had the pipes of shit. And, and, and Grandpa said that when everybody started pooping inside and eating outside, the world went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, but that that would be my magic wand is yeah. for everybody to to live in tune with the earth you know and, and and if 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 everybody could just peek out of my heart for a little bit i think the world would be a better place mm. we'd start understanding why these monsanto people are bad and why these mosaic people are bad and you know, we shouldn't sell pieces of our earth to them you know the earth belongs to the creator you know so we treat her so bad that like while we've been fighting wars on terrorism the earth has declared war on terrorism the problem is is me and you are the terrorists you know and that's real yeah it's yeah the, the how can we how can we live not as viruses that are taking over the planet like the matrix said kind of thing is like how do we actually integrate and that's one thing that i'm really interested in is those those like kind of holism those sustainable societies those people that uh -huh. are able to that you know that they're able to create these kind of um you're, you you talk about this safe ways to garden and fish that is actually a more of a holistic design that we could actually work in a sustainable system because there's kind of like this you know there's two sides of it right there's the there's the 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 quick and effective destructive short-sighted burst of energy right mm -hmm. and then there, and there's that slow burn like fat burning energy the things that take a while take more time and more effort but but like you know if you like in terms of designing sustainable cities and sustainable places you know what yeah. would that what would that look like in terms of trying to integrate you know trying oh, to actually make that possible on it dude like yeah. like it's already good we just we're waiting on old people to die <laughs> i mean i'm just be real with you we're waiting for old people to die mm -hmm. um old people in politics that refuse to let this kind of stuff happen um my uncle alone for example has figured out how to uh take nine hundred thousand aquatic acres and supply united states with sustainable electricity um by using duckweed uh, genetically modified duckweed that has more free radical moving electrons moving around it and we can literally produce electricity like biological solar panels you know um we already have figured out how to run our gasoline engines on this plant um with biobutanol like biodiesel for gasoline cars mm -hmm. um for a matter of 20 cents a gallon you know um we have all these cool technologies out brother um I, I i got off the phone last week with a company in sweden 
who's making these big old box fan looking things, you know, and these cool little dudes uh, figured out a way to trap carbon and, and safely store it in the earth for thousands of years. And not only that, but use the carbon and make energy out of it that feeds our cars. So like we could go from polluting in our car to using the same car to help pollution. Like it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, and again, why don't we implement these things that we've already figured out? Because we're just waiting on old people to die in politics. Let the new blood come. Let the new people that are going to run this earth run it and get out of the damn way. Get out of our way. You know, because you're running our planet into the ground and it's not fair for my grandchild. You know, there's a there's a saying, um, two sayings, but one is like, you can't make a man understand something that his paycheck won't let him understand. Yeah. And that's one of the things with these people that are getting paid and the, the you know, the, the whole um, uh, special interest groups and all that, all that jazz. So like getting like super deep into politics, but when you're getting paid a paycheck, it's very difficult to yeah. make a non self-serving decision that stops you from growing. So, yeah. but you're right, but we are, we, the thing is we're constantly innovating and, and, but you know, these, these new techs that are coming out, I think things like that, if we could find a way to cut the middleman, if you made uh, a way for people to easily and frictionlessly be able to order things online, like Tesla's, you can order a Tesla. It'll show up your house. It will like Autobot. They'll drive it up to your house, order it online. If you can just cut out that middleman and have that, and the more people knew about this and the more it became common knowledge, the better all these things would be. Like I didn't really know about the duckweed. Sweet corn down here in Florida. Mm. I shouldn't be shipping sweet corn to Washington state and California. So y'all can eat sweet corn. Mm. You know, why ain't LA? got skyscraper buildings that that are are no longer apartment complexes and are now their own growing facilities like we've learned so much with vertical agriculture and i'm also an agricultural scientist and that stuff is just beyond amazing um like as far as per square foot like cities can be producing their own food um we can be cleaning up our own feces and and urine um, with that same duckweed technology. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could run a lot of these duckweed plants on pre-existing um, water sewage treatment facility, you know, and, and literally be using our own poop um, to grow high-grade fertilizer so that we're not using our own actual shit as first-rate fertilizer. Even though it's okay, um, people just can't get over it. But that's when I'll take some duckweed and, and, and integrate that to where like you're not eating your own poop you're eating duckweed it was grown by your own poop <laughs> <laughs> reduce reuse recycle yeah uh, yeah well, like so that how do people how do people become more aware of this because i think what it is is you're talking about one is is having old people die and that makes sense i think another one is it, oh, i have no disrespect to my elders we all know that we're talking yeah. You select old people in office that have been there for a long time and won't leave on it, it, parties, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And there, and there is such a disrespect, the little third. <laughs> no, it's just, but you're looking at a situation where one of it is an, in a, is an awareness problem. Another thing is a friction issue, right? Because we are lazy, but if everybody could just wake up tomorrow and go, I click to use this fuel over this fuel. I click to eat this thing over this thing, and it was as simple as a click of a button that they could yeah. that they could do as a swipe, you know, up on TikTok. 
-hmm. It's just, and so the question is how do people become more aware of this? How do people start to integrate this? What would this look like for people to take these, these small steps forward? I think it's, it's a matter of integrating people. Um, like imagine if, if Captain Planet and Elon Musk started hanging out or like, you've got a buddy who writes software program, you know, like, like mm -hmm. he makes apps mm -hmm. and, and starts hanging out with captain planet. And just off the top of my head, we make an app called native or not, mm -hmm. not all the bullshit that comes along with all the plan identification. Just tell somebody if it's native or not, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, some of these concepts like, um, Bicot. I liked Bicot, but then it just kind of disappeared. Like stopped being updated, I guess. I don't know what Bicot is. What Bicot was is this cool app that was, um, you you pulled this app open and basically went through your morals. Like if you're anti um, GMO, like like uh, Monsanto, um, or let's say you're vegan, you go in and put all your personal information and then I could be at Publix and literally take my phone and scan the barcode on the ketchup and it'd be like, yo, Captain Planet, there's eight different reasons why you shouldn't want to buy this Hunt's ketchup and, then, and a different one, like the green wise of Publix. And it'd be like, Hey, you know, like, like, so it, it's taken technology because you don't know that, uh, that Nestle owns hot pockets when you're like, yeah, fuck Nestle. I don't want to support Nestle. I'll stop buying their candy and their water. We don't know hot pockets is Nestle. You don't know that all, you know, Kellogg's is Monsanto and Doritos is Mosaic and, and all these little things. Um, but that was a cool app that like allowed you not to have to spend hours per day learning all this crap and simply just scan the stuff at the grocery store. So you know that your dollars are making a bigger impact. Like I don't want to support Tyson, you know, I don't like Tyson. I don't want to support them, you know, and then, but I don't know that, uh, um, Maria calendars is owned by Tyson, you know, and like, and I might be wrong on that one. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a lot of those things that it makes it hard. Um, if you want to truly boycott Nestle, you don't realize all the different things that Nestle owns. Yeah. I think that was a cool one, but like taking that and, and taking it to different levels, you know what I mean? Like making it to where, um, there's different places like dive shops or whatever that have these scales where you go take your trash and they weigh it on this scale and it goes up to this other app that like keeps track of how much trash people are pulling out because when somebody's like, cool, I picked up enough trash. Well, they say to themselves like, well, shit, man, I, I want to win today. You know, and then they have like personal thing like Johnny Smith. Um, got the most pounds like um, Natalie Daniels got the weirdest fucking trash. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. different categories. Like, <laughs> I mean, so what you're talking about is like, I mean, you turn it into games, right? You're turning, you're, you're creating yeah. these, these systems that are, that are easy and frictionless. And, you know, a lot about this, a lot of what this podcast is about is like the game of life. Right. And it's about how do you turn things into games? How do you turn your mission into games? How do you do these things? Mm -hmm. And, and I've seen people, uh, I've seen interesting game models that people have done that like, instead of there being an, uh, if you drive over the speed limit, you get a ticket. It's if you drive under the speed limit, you get into a lottery. 
And so the whole thing is that soon, the more times you pass it, you go into line. So everyone is trying to do that because now they're in that. And then there's all the ones that have the same thing. I think they did it with trash where when you put a trash away, you get like a lotto ticket and then you don't know who's going to win. And so yeah. you're, you're, you're competing and stuff. So those things are incredible. And people that can take those and integrate those things and actually roll them out into systems are mixing up, man. You know, yeah. like you ever pulled up in a drive through and then like, you don't have to pay for your thing because the person in front of you paid for it. Literally happened to me uh, two days ago. Two that's days the, ago. Ain't that the coolest thing in the world? Did you not pay for the person behind you to have the same experience? I tried. I tried. And they said, I, oh, they, they yeah, already had the same pay for it. I was, like, I, was like, I was like, can I pay for them? Right? Yeah, I felt that 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 reciprocity of just like, oh, my God. That was really cool. Yeah, that unexpected you know, that can, that can catch people, you know, and, 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 you know, teaching like, like I've been trying to do like educational invasive plant species, like to where, you know, I saw today, there was a post a mother made of her kids out there cleaning the air potatoes in a neighbor's yard. Oh, wow. And I was like that, that's, there's my kids right there. That's because they're hanging out with captain planet so much. Like, cause you know, they, they're already learning what's in their neighbor's yard is going to be in their yard. You know, as a wheat farmer, I take care of my neighbors, you know, because if I'm growing wheat and I let my neighbors grow shit wheat, then their genetics, when the wind it comes into my wheat and it lowers my wheat, you know, so that's why we take care of our neighbors because your wheat is only as good as your farmers or your neighbors, you know, so it's that kind of same concept, you know, that, and, and we make little games with these air potatoes, like who collects the most and who collects the weirdest, you know, like the weirdest shaped one, you know, and just whatever we, we come up with, you know, and it's all about having fun with it and being involved. See, that's you know? the other bit is fun. People take this thing so seriously. They oh, get yeah, so I'm always having fun, dude. Yeah. Always. <laughs> And that's the thing. If you can have fun with the kids, teach them some things, and you have the you have that the the transformation be the byproduct, right? You have like, okay, guys, we're gonna pick up the trash. I saw one guy that they did. Um, they're online. They did trash pickups, but then they did um, in like uh, uh, and then they did uh, parties. It was like a trash pickup then party. And so they had the DJs come out. They had this stuff. So everyone got a little trash. Whoever got the most trash, all that stuff. And then DJ, do, 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 do. I was like, and they would go all around. This right? is how we do it. <laughs> I can but dig. That's what I'm talking about, man. Because it, it definitely for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we need. We need more people having fun, doing good. If you can have yeah. fun, do good, and inspire other people, it's it's, it's so important. Um, bad as the media wants to to make it sound like as a scientist i'll tell you the earth ain't dying homie mm. the earth's changing and she's got a right to change just like you have a right to change if you're too hot do you not put on some board shorts mm. you know how would you like some damn squirrel telling you that you shouldn't be able to put on board shorts <laughs> like that's how we take climate change you know what i mean without us not adding to the problem us not making her change too fast like mm -hmm. with coral reefs that's on us you know corals have been around for 550 million years so it's on us that over half of them have already died yeah. but it could be on us uh, to bring it back like jurassic park days man
you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's the power of the technology, right? Is it as long as we, it's just technology. Just, it's a magnification of intent. What do you want to do with it? Do you want it to, to order Amazon to your house, which nothing yeah. wrong. I, I very much enjoy that, but also being able to actually do some good with it and, and, yeah. and do good, which is one of the things why I'm so excited to talk to you. Cause I know you have, you have these coral reef projects. You have these other things. I know there's people that are building sustainable cities that just don't know about this tech. They don't know how to integrate it. And I know there's a lot of like, like um, UN sustainable development projects where people are building sustainable cities. And I think, you know, if any of them hooked up with you on how to do this type of stuff and actually integrate it, I think it'd be a powerful thing. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. just getting the right people together. Yeah. yeah. And that's where some of this social media stuff can be a great tool. You know, because people who know something like they'll see me. And that's why I was on the phone with this company in Sweden, like them trying to get me to support them because they know people pay attention to what I say. Mm -hmm. It's like, like me checking them out. Like, yeah, this is cool. I can get behind this. I'm not making no money off of it. You know, I don't, I'm not doing some commission thing like it's just simply because i i care you know what i mean 100 percent. Like, sometimes you go enter captain planet in the promo code street i get a little commission <laughs> hey you go job too win-win <laughs> yeah. man it's a win-win totally and things like if you can find something that supports you and you support the world at the same time you support people around you yep. you know there's a bunch of different ways to do it um so um so cap with, with that with that all that being said um one thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate you being flexible yeah. and popping on man I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you so i was walking to a uh to my charger <laughs> well uh we're, get, we're getting towards to the top of the hour so what i'd love to say is is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how they get a hold of you and find more about the good work that you do brother yeah so i mean i haven't mentioned the fact that like i i do artificial reefs um yeah. so this is something super cool to where these are more like artificial mangroves that go underneath docks so you don't have to have permits um you also don't have to live in florida or on the water to be able to help um you can donate from anywhere in the world i've had people clear from india to italy um purchasing these artificial reefs where I put them into a um, restaurant down here in Florida. That way, if you're ever in the state and you want to come check out your reef, you can. Um, also do all kinds of cool classes, eco tours, um, camping adventures, you name it. Mm. How, do they, how do they find that? Like if they're, if they're going to look for the eco turtles and the artificial reefs and they want to be able to contribute, they want to purchase, they, they want to get involved. Um, like what is that? How do they find you? The ecopreservationproject.com. I even make like some cool eco swag i just made this one when you caught me on that live with the alligator scoop some uh old indian trade beads and stuff on there <laughs> oh that's that's beautiful brother uh so uh if you get a chance support captain this is a really cool mission this is something that i i love what you're doing dude you put out a ton of great vibes i i i found you on tiktok but i know you're all over the place i know you have a youtube and a bunch yeah. of channel so uh, ecopreservation.com, correct? Yeah, ecopreservationproject.com. Ecopreservationproject.com. The name's Eco Preservation Project. Love it. Um, thank you so much for your time, brother. I uh, appreciate all the good work that you do. Um, keep it up, Cap, and uh, I'll, I'll see you on the other side, okay? Bet, dude. I had fun, man. Thank you for having me. Me too, brother. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye, -bye. Bye now. Bye now.
Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.